on Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Yeah, it's called Conversations with Jeff, not Screaming Matches. Yeah, Yeah, you and I do not agree on Calvinism. But look how nice we are to each other. I think it's going to really shock a lot of people, thrill a lot of people. A lot of people are going to have to do some soul-searching. It's like, you know what? What are you doing? You're spending all your time trying to destroy another Christian because you don't understand what's going on when you should be out there winning people for Jesus. Right. Thank you for the job you're doing. Thanks for being willing to address these kind of issues. They're vital to the church. I feel sorry for what's coming your way, but God bless you, man. It's, it's a good, healthy conversation, and, and let's keep growing together in the Lord. People won't change unless they hear the truth, though, and so we need to know the truth, uh, speak the truth, and then the last one I would say is that we need to stay in the truth, uh, no matter what the consequences are. Okay, everybody, welcome to today's episode of Conversations with Jeff. We've been having a string of, you know, episodes, you know, coming out every single day. Um, you know, yesterday we had on uh, Jerry Wayne, uh, who is famous for his run-in with uh, Vice President Joe Biden, which was a uh, which was a blast talking talking to him and that sort of thing. And um, so you guys can check out that episode. That's on Facebook. It'll be posted on YouTube, I believe, tomorrow. Uh, so you guys can check that out as well. Before I introduce um, our guest today, just a reminder as well, we do have our plugged-in program um, that will give you guys access to our Destroy Social Justice uh, conference exclusively. You guys can stream that as well. Uh, the full video for that will be going up uh, behind uh, or within that membership probably either later today or tomorrow. Um, and then you'll also get exclusive discounts in our store. We're going to be adding more books, more resources, and that sort of thing to our uh, GK store for you guys as well. Um, but then also, too, if you guys do sign up for the annual membership, I'm going to be sending you guys a copy of Social Injustice for free. So if you guys sign up for the annual membership where you pay for the year up front, I will send you a copy of the book uh, right out in the mail uh, this, pretty much the same day, if not the next day, of after you sign up. So Make sure you guys uh, do that. Check that out. Go to gatekeepersonline.com slash plugged in, and you guys can get uh, more information on that. Uh, really excited to uh, be bringing on our guest today. We've got Pastor Sam Jones. I think this is this is technically your fourth time on Conversations with Jeff, so <laughs> glad to have you back. Hey, thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here, and uh, yeah, just trying to stay ahead of Andy Woods to be your uh Guest that comes on here most. So. Yeah, I, I I think technically you're I think you're tied for the lead of being a guest on the show. You know, with, with I think this is your third time now, but techni- technically you're in the lead because you did host it one time. Yeah, yeah, that was that was an interesting one. I forgot about that. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah. So well, you know, I'm glad I'm glad we could sit down and talk and and that sort of thing. You, you know, especially with all the craziness 
that's going on out in the world. I, I mean, I'm sitting over here in California where literally it's like the apocalypse has happened. Has happened. All of the grocery stores are completely empty. No toilet paper to be found anywhere in the county. Like we're having we're having to like order a week in advance from somewhere in like the Midwest, whatever it is, where maybe they have something. And we're sitting over from here. From China, like, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know, th- there is that too. So, but yeah, it's just it's, this whole thing right now. I just feel like it's crazy. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's definitely crazy. Um, uh, I, you know, it's it's crazy everywhere. We're we're in the middle of Iowa, okay? Um, in Iowa, we've got a bunch of cornfields. Uh, there's there's not a whole lot going on. Our, our capita is way down uh, compared to California or New York or something like that. But I mean, you know, we've we've had a state of emergency declared by our governor by. Um, our county board of supervisors and by our mayor, even, um, you know, you can't go play soccer out on the soccer fields right now, uh, without facing a, a misdemeanor. Um, and now granted, I, I, you know, I don't want to speak too crazy here. I'm pretty sure that the cops in, in Hudson, Iowa would just go and tell the, the kids, Hey, go home. I don't think they would arrest them and put them in jail. Uh, I, I'm a huge fan, uh, of our police force. Uh, always thank them whenever they get the opportunity but I mean, things are crazy right now. Um, it's if now was a time uh, that Jesus Christ needed to be lifted up, it, it definitely is now. Yeah, and and I, and I think that you know, with with all the craziness going on right now, I think that this is a really good opportunity for Christians to be again light shining in darkness because I feel like. The rest of the world is going insane. It's going crazy. It's like literally the end of the world because of coronavirus. And then it's, you know, to a certain degree, a lot of Christians are responding in the same way. A lot of panic, a lot of, you know, overreaction and that sort of thing. But, you know, from you as like a pastor's standpoint, how should Christians be responding to this madness and craziness? Right. So so the first thing I, I would say, and this is something that I preached for, for years, have used this illustration for years, and, um, you know, God's word was the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't change. And so these principles are, are the same. So what we were preaching yesterday, we should be preaching today. Um, hot water, when, when it comes to tea, I'm a huge tea fan. If you put a tea bag into hot water, it doesn't change what's in the tea bag. It reveals what's in the tea bag. Um, difficult circumstances don't change what's in the heart of men. It only reveals what's in our heart. And for some people, that's going to be perceived as a very harsh statement as they've uh, panicked and they've, they've done these things. Um, but the reality of it is, is that it's true. Uh, if we go and we look at Job, you know, Job, when his life fell apart, and by the way, he went through much more of a state of emergency than what any of us are going through when it comes to coronavirus right now. That's that's the reality of it. Um, he had an incredible amount of trials come into his life, and he responded by worshiping God. Now, why did he respond by worshiping God? Well, if you go to the very first part of the chapter, it says that regularly he went and made sacrifices, not just for himself, but for his children. Uh, Job's default uh, position was... To worship God. And so when the water got hot, when the circumstances got difficult and his heart was revealed, he went to his default and worshiped God. People right now are going to their default. So, you know, first of all, let, let me explain, I guess, why people are acting the way that they are. Um, they're going to their default. And if their default is panic and worry and all these kind of things, 
then that's what it is. If it's worshiping God, if it's trusting in God, then they're going to go into worship God. They're going to be going and trusting God. Now, with, with that being said, how should a Christian respond? Well, a Christian should respond with appropriate concern and caution. Um, you know, just to to be perfectly honest here, for the last month, we've been uh, taking more vitamin C. Um, we, for the last month, kind of seeing that these things were coming along and warning people, hey, look at what's happening in China, look at what's happening in these other places. If this gets here, it could happen. We, we have been stocking up on groceries. Um, you know, we, we don't have enough to last for a year, so don't come and ransack our house. You'll be a little bit disappointed. But when everything kind of shut down and people got really afraid, we weren't out there buying all this stuff because we had already been preparing. Now, it's, it's maybe too late to get ahead of the curve, but the response still needs to be the same, and that is trusting in God, still taking appropriate precautions, and um, understanding that obedience to God is still first, is still key, but you know, not. I mean, don't lick doorknobs. You know, I mean, don't don't be silly out there. Actually, practice cleanliness, wash your hands, um, things like that. But you know, travel less. That, that's a good thing. Um, but it should be a spirit of a that that God has given us is a spirit of a sober mind not one of fear and panic yeah and and i and i feel like you know historically with uh with you know when tragedies happen in america or there's been uh circumstances like this i feel like it's always an opportunity for us to show like you were like you were saying our default but show we have faith and trust in god because god is in control and i think that that's something that when we start freaking out we start panicking we start overreacting to things whether or not this is what's actually going on in our heart or not, but what we're doing is we're telling the world we're we're not trusting in God right now. And I think that that needs to be a reminder, and this is kind of like gut check time of do we as believers actually trust in God? And I feel like that's mm -hmm. that's something that I think we're actually being put to the test right now. Absolutely. Uh, this, is, this is definitely what's getting put to the test. Um, do we trust in God? And by the way, trusting in God isn't saying – um, I have a doctrinal statement that simply says I trust in God because this this has been the the misconception here. We we've got a lot of uh, orthodox heteropraxy, um, which is this idea of people who have wonderful doctrinal statements, doctrinal statements that I agree with. Uh, people will preach sermons that I sit there and I go, I amen this heartily, but then when it comes to actions, it's this wild response that is like taking their doctrinal statement, ripping it up, uh, and, and throwing it away. And you're going, no, we act in accordance with that. I mean, you know, one big thing that everybody's saying is this is unprecedented times, unprecedented times. So we don't know uh, what to do. We don't know what we should be doing. But let me just read a portion of scripture that talks about unprecedented times. I mean, um, just because it's unprecedented, first of all, doesn't mean that God was surprised. Uh, and second of all, doesn't mean that God's word doesn't have an answer for unprecedented times. In the book of Joel, uh, it says, The word of the Lord came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. I'm reading from chapter 1, going to read verses 1 through 3, and then skip down to verse 14. But it says, uh, Hear this, you elders, and give ear, all of you inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this happened in your days, or even in the days of your fathers? Tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children and their children another generation. And then it talks about what happens. This is the, the locusts, the different swarms of locusts that come through 
and it, it's a it's a phenomena that people couldn't have prevented or, or stopped and it's something that is basically like whoa what's going on uh we've never seen anything like this that's what's happening with the coronavirus today uh and then in verse 14 it says consecrate a fast call a sacred assembly gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the lord your god and cry out to the lord you know god has given us um a uh a, a response that we should have. We should be going to God. We should be resting to God. We, we should be uh, going and in, in praying to God. And I mean, it even said that dangerous word in there, uh, assembly, assembly. Yeah. And it, which then I think leads into a main, you know, kind of conundrum that a lot of the church is facing today of, you know, we have a lot of local governments that are, you know, cracking down on gatherings. And like we like, for example, we saw, you know, Ken Peters with the Church of Planned Parenthood. They were dealing with, you know, they always meet outside of a Planned Parenthood up there in Spokane. And mm-hmm. they, they weren't allowed to have a group larger than 50 people. So they're like, basically, yeah. 50 people can come and we'll worship together outside of Planned Parenthood. But then everybody else, you need to stay home and stream. And so mm-hmm. people are trying to find these ways around all these rules and laws and that sort of thing. But I feel like depending on where you are in the country, I mean, they're really cracking down even on churches gathering. Yeah. Um, you know, one, one thing that's uh, just really interesting about this is I was supposed to be there at the Church of Planned Parenthood. Not I uh, wasn't, you know, not speaking or anything like that, but um, I was planning on going and being with uh, Pastor Ken out there after the sound ordinance that came out. And I mean, uh, talk about almost buying a plane ticket three or four times. Um, the worry came in uh, a biblical worry, or maybe I should say concern is a better word, was I didn't know if I'd be able to get home. And uh, I'm going, I, I need, especially if we're going to be declaring a state of emergency, I need to be there uh, for the flock uh, of people and for the community. Uh, and so I I will, uh, Pastor Ken watches this, I, I'm going to join you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, now, one thing in, in kind of looking at, at what all you said there, uh, first of all, we need to understand it's understandable for churches um, to cancel. Um, I, I get that. You know, when roads get icy, w- we cancel. But one thing that's happening that's different here, and it, and it may depend on uh, state to state because it's not different um, or because it's not a, a federal thing. Sorry, I've just, my phone is blowing up right now and I'm using my phone and all <laughs> yeah. these messages are coming in. Um, I, it is that the government is mandating, uh, is mandating that people don't meet. In the state of Iowa, which by the way, Republican uh, governor, House of Representatives, and state senate, I mean, we are red state, okay? Uh, and unfortunately, I think that red might start meaning communism instead of Republican here. We're going to have to find out. But we are under a, a mandate to not meet in out in Washington, much more liberal state, uh, much denser population than Iowa. They've got 50 people because they're following the CDC guidelines, Um our governor came out and said uh, 10, and it came out and included religious uh, organizations. Um, I, I, uh, because of technical difficulties here, ha- we're streaming from my phone, uh, and 
uh, otherwise I'd go in and actually read it to you, but I, I don't have the, the ability right now to go in to read exactly what the mandate is in, in the wording, but it's it, it includes churches. Now, when this came out, uh, me and some other pastors were going, well, surely this is this was a mistake by the governor. Okay, the governor, just an oversight in the panic and everything. This must be what it is. So we call up the governor's office and, you know, get answering machines and other people. That's understandable. Governor's hard to reach right now. Um, but the response was later that night, I'm, I'm doing dishes, get a, a notification on my phone. It says, um, clarification was made on the declaration of emergency. And so, oh, good. She got the message. Perfect. And it goes and it says, uh, peace officers have the mandate to go and to arrest people if they break this. It, it, we're like, are you kidding me? Because, I mean, let's legally, let's look at the, the First Amendment, okay? Uh, the, the Constitution's First Amendment. Not very long here. It says this. Congress shall make no law. And uh, if Patrick Wyatt were with me here, Patrick, no compromise. People, Wyatt, he'd say, let's stop right there. Why does it say Congress shall make no law? Because only Congress has the power to make law in this land. Uh, so first of all, it's not a law what these governors are saying. It's not a law even what the president's saying. They can't make law. Um, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or uh, abridging the freedom of speech or the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. Uh, we have the right to peaceably assemble. In, in, and by the way, all Christians should believe, well, everybody technically believes rights come from God. Whoever the real authority is, they're the ones who give rights. Uh, and so God, because that's the highest authority, I believe, is the one who gives rights. This right to assemble isn't from the government. It's recognized by the government. Um, so from a legal perspective, this is absolutely an egregious overreach and, and uh, step, and it's, it's not consistent either, which is a major issue. Um, yes, as I've been reminded several times by other pastors, nightclubs and bars are also closed. Um, I guess, you know, I'm as a pastor, wild thinking here, I believe that the church is intrinsically more valuable uh, and infinitely more valuable than a nightclub or a bar. Um, but also, uh, uh, I, I just got a message that might be saying that the governor's changing it. I'm not sure. Or tripling down. We'll find out. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> we'll check that later. Um, it, but also, you look at this here. There are places of employment that are open today. Um, for example, Walmart. Okay. A Walmart cart is much dirtier and you have uh, an infinite more times chance of getting coronavirus from a Walmart cart than you do the pews in our church. Um, we, we have people who are working in factories with hundreds of people right now, rubbing shoulders and elbows with them. And yet we can only have 10 people in our church building. It's, it's just a ridiculous mandate, um, complete overreach from the governor. I hope, uh, that thing that I just got was a statement of recanting, but, We'll find out afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Well, 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 yeah. I'll I'll keep trying to you know see if I if I can't pull that up since I'm recording on my computer instead of my phone. Uh, but you know, like the thing is, like you know, with me being out in California, obviously extremely liberal state. You know, it pr pretty much as liberal as you can pretty much get out here in California. And you know, like where where we are is probably one of the most conservative parts of the state. 
and we have like the strictest laws going on right mm-hmm. now in in the sense of how to deal with coronavirus where it's literally you can't you can't meet or or be with anybody else outside of your immediate household. So we're not even talking like a cap off of 10 people. We're saying you can only be with people that's in your immediate household, but then there's exceptions for what they call quote unquote necessary uh, businesses, right? So that that would be things like grocery stores. But then they start listing all the quote unquote necessary businesses. That includes a hardware store. It also includes places like Target and Walmart because you can buy household items. Like you start going down the list, and you're like, okay, so all a hardware store a hardware store is necessary, but a church is not necessary. So why why not say you could go to church but practice? That you know, let, let's say like the safe distance, right? So I think they're saying mm-hmm. it's like six feet. You're not allowed, like legally in, in where we are, you're not allowed to be within six feet of somebody else. And if you are, you could get arrested. So by the way, Jeff, um, th- I'm really glad you brought this up because uh, this is where where it the rubber really meets the road here on this one. Okay, the, the safe distance six feet. There is a reasonable way to interpret this, okay? And the reasonable way to interpret this is that God's laws are over man's laws. So basically what it's saying is, hey, don't be stupid, is the six-feet mandate. Don't be stupid and shake somebody's hand right now. Don't go and give them a hug out in public. But you know, Jeff, you should give your wife a hug and uh, maybe even a kiss too. Um, you know, and, and that's, that's the thing here. All these people, like, are, are, are they staying six feet away from each other? Um, you know, you see all the jokes of I'm, I'm predicting a boom of babies in nine months. Well, not if people are uh, practicing the six feet rule and it's absolutely, and I don't mean this, I'm not saying this to be crude. I'm saying this to go, look, part of God's law is uh, a man and a wife should be together. There should be one flesh and, uh, going and looking at it, at it this way, uh, the government's not uh, the, has no right to go to intervene there uh, and say nope, we're separating um, uh, separating this and, and not allowing you guys to be close to to one another. Um, and yet, then, and of course, every pastor in the United States, I guarantee it, every pastor and every Christian would sit there and say, yes, you're right. It's not talking about a uh, six feet distance from somebody in your own household. Uh, in not saying that husband and wife can't give each other a hug. Um, That's not what it's saying. And I go, okay, then we're on the same page with this. And that's why we should still allow churches to meet too, because it is something that God has said for us to do. Now, if the churches uh, autonomously decide to cancel, um, whether I agree or disagree with their decision, I agree that they have the right to do it, but government has no right to tell a church what to do. Yeah. And, and, and what's interesting is like I was, I was talking with uh, with a friend of ours um, over the weekend and they and they were t- they were talking about how I forget what decade it was in, probably maybe in the 60s, right? There there was a there was a power outage in New York and there was a big baby boom 9 months later, right? Well, now mm-hmm. we're we're having that with the coronavirus, but they're, but they're supposedly they're calling it the coronials. So instead of millennials, <laughs> it's going to be the coronials. So that's going to be the next the next generation. <laughs> I, I'm glad I'm in a, the millennials now because that's a terrible name. Uh, I know, but... I know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine. <laughs> oh. So, but, 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 but I think that it's it's an important thing that we need to understand is that 
is that I feel like what's happened over the last like decade or two is that maybe even longer, but the government has tr- has been setting itself up as essentially God, right? Mm-hmm. They they are basically they're they're saying we're the ones that give you rights, thus we can be the ones that take them away. And I feel like we as Christians we we need to be making it clear in both publicly and within you know our congregations and that sort of thing is that our first response is to God. Like, because we understand that God is the one that gives us the rights, like you were saying before. And so while the government may be putting down these laws, and but at the same time, they're taking away our rights with all of this. And so at a certain point, how do we respond as Christians where it's like the government is stepping in and saying, okay, we're going to take away your right to, peaceif- to peaceably assemble when they're not the ones that gave us the right in the first place. Right. Uh, so I, I think the proper response is whether um, you're you're meeting or not, and this is this is key because everybody is kind of taking what I'm saying uh, on my social media. If you go and look out there, you'll uh, you'll see some interesting things that people have have told me. Um, but whether the church is deciding to to assemble or not to assemble, the, your church and your pastor should speak out against these mandates. Um, and this is why I, why I say this, let's, let's take this and let's throw away all political, um, political assumptions here in everything. Cause everybody likes to say, let's separate the sacred from the secular. You, you know, I'm not a pietist. I've spoken uh, quite a bit about, uh, pietism being wrong. And also, uh, I preached often on, on civil obedience and disobedience. Um, look, I, I don't have any, uh, speeding tickets on my record. I drive like a grandma. Um, people get mad at me for how I drive. I'm not this flaming rebel who wants to come out here and say, I'm just shaking my fist to shake my fist. I'm somebody who actually wants to obey, but my first authority is God. That's, that's the thing. And that's the proper interpretation, the historic interpretation, uh, of Romans 13 is that we are to obey a legitimate minister of God called the civil government when they're legitimately uh, administering God's rule, not when they are doing their own thing. Um, and so I think the proper response here is whether the churches are closing or whether they're staying open, um, they should be calling their, uh, their representatives, their, um, governors, um, whatever it is, maybe writing letters or sending emails saying, we disagree with your edict. Uh, we disagree with this. And this is why it's so important. Pastors are sitting here saying it's just temporary. That's that's one of the biggest things I hear. It's. I think I think I think we're uh, we're losing you there, Sam. For a, for a sec, You're, the the screen froze. Hey, everybody. We are uh, back with conversations. Uh, we had some uh, technical difficulties. Uh, internet cut out. I mean, you know, is it coronavirus? Eh, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but, uh, you know, so we're back here with uh, Pastor Sam. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about the, the biblical response to the coronavirus and how churches should be uh, dealing with things. And, uh, and especially with a lot of this uh, government overreach uh, in response to the coronavirus. Uh, so yeah, Sam, we, we are back. And I know that, uh, you were like right in the middle of talking about, 
uh, everything, and then the internet cut out, which made it really fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know if I'll be able to uh, pick up exactly right where I was in the exact word, but I, I know the thought, so we'll go with that. Sure. Um, the uh, one big pushback here uh, towards churches has been that the government is just doing this for a temporary amount of time. It's just a short amount of time. Um, but one thing I do remind everyone is that uh, length of time um, doesn't equate to something being sinful or not. And uh, once again, not to be crude, but I'll, I'll give this illustration to to make a point. Um, it it doesn't take that long, uh, that much amount of time, uh, to commit adultery or fornication, and yet it's still sinful. So the amount of time that the government is doing this does not make the principle okay, and it doesn't change the principle. It's either right or it's wrong. It's not according to situation. It's either something that's right or it's something that's wrong. Um, but also when it comes to this coronavirus uh, and the, the government overreach, it's not just an overreach of um, political liberty. It's also an overreach in a doctrinal standpoint. Um, now, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Baptist pastor, and so our church is uh, – one of the Baptist distinctives is being autonomous. Uh, and um, Baptist churches are to be autonomous. Now, there are other ideas of this too. Um, but it, it still actually applies, even if you're an Episcopal-type uh, church government uh, that's that's not autonomous and it has um, different leaders a- ahead, you know, whether it's a cardinal and a pope like in the Catholic Church or, or, or whatever it might be. Um, the, the idea of autonomy itself, though, is that somebody outside of the church can't tell the church what to do. And that's an actual doctrine that we hold to. Um, you know, I've, I've heard all kinds of pastors preach on this years ago. And then when uh, a governor comes in and says, you're shutting down your church, it's, you know, they, they lose all autonomy. Um, maybe maybe that's an overreaction saying losing all autonomy, but they lose autonomy in this situation. And our doctrines aren't situational. They're, they're doctrines, they're teachings, they're right, they're there. Even if you're in an Episcopal type church government, though, um, it, it's still that line that you have, whether it's, you know, Pope, Cardinal, and I'm, I'm not really sure on on all of the 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 uh, the line, but it's still the idea that it has to go through that line, not somebody from outside the line. Uh, and that's what's happening here. Of course, then you have the biblical side of separation of church and state, uh, which is also another Baptist distinctive, uh, which has been commandeered by the left that the church should stay out of the state's business. But the the original uh, principle, the one that was talked about um, in the letter from uh, Thomas Jefferson to the Danbury Baptists, was that the state would stay out of the church's business well, I can't think of anything more of getting in the church's business than the state telling the church you have to shut down. I mean, that's uh, you can't gather. That's getting in the church's business. And one thing I think we need to remember is that if the government is comfortable telling the church when they can meet, pretty soon they're going to be very comfortable telling the church what they can say. Um, and many people are talking about the alternative of going to live stream even when coronavirus isn't out there, we generally live stream on Facebook. So we're not afraid of technology. We're not technophobes here. Um, but who's to say that they're not going to censor this? If you can't meet and then they censor you, uh, the preaching of the word's not getting out. Yeah. And, I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah. Well, see, and that that was one of the problems that the Church of Planned Parenthood faced with, with their service that they had the other night was that they – you know, they were told you're not allowed to have more than 50 people show up. So they had, I pro- I'm assuming they probably had smack dab right on 50 
people because I'm sure knowing Ken Peters, he's going to take advantage of every single thing he, he can do. And then they live streamed it. So then people stayed at home. He said that they had like 21,000 people that were watching on the live stream. And then Facebook c- catches wind of it and shuts down the live stream. So now you're starting to get into this whole censorship side of things where even though it's not the government censoring, it's big tech. But at the same time, big tech, big tech is kind of an arm of the government and enforcing a lot of those, a lot of those rules. So now it's like, now what do churches do if Facebook is going to start shutting down live streams? Right. And, and the other thing too, about, uh, about this, I think is necessary to, to realize. So in, in Iowa, and this is, this is the one I'm going to speak to because this is the one I know. Um, in Iowa, the state of emergency was, was put out and, for two weeks, uh, till the end of the month, I can't remember if March is 30 or 31 days. I think it's 31. Um, we we can't meet with 10 or you know only 10 or less people. Uh, by the way, not 50, 10 or less people. Um, that, but the thing is that the state of emergency itself was actually issued for a month, uh, for four weeks, and so it actually goes through April. I think it was 16th. Um, uh, is when that is. Maybe it's 17th. Um, and then on top of that, the CDC's recommendation for the restriction on meeting was actually eight weeks. And so when we're talking about this and people are talking about temporary, it's minimally for anybody who's trying to use wisdom and everybody trying to say, you know, be as wise as a serpent, as innocent as a dove, be as wise as a serpent, as innocent as a dove. Well, be as wise as a serpent, as innocent as, as a dove. It's not going to be for two weeks. We're talking four weeks minimum. Uh, minimum in Iowa, more likely eight weeks. Uh, and really, in reality, my assumption is, is that it's going to be eight to 12 weeks. So now you're talking about one sixth of a year or even a quarter of a year. Are, are we okay with, a, you know, losing a quarter of our church services, losing a quarter of our assembling times uh, together? It's, it's not as temporary as what people think it is. And by the way, during that time, this is a huge pet peeve of mine. Easter, we're going to celebrate that Jesus, our Savior, defeated death by being afraid of death? I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That sounds crazy to me. Yeah, it, it, is, it is interesting. Now, I feel like, you know, it's like, okay, so you got Easter coming up, right? So maybe maybe what churches could do is get around, is get around it on a technicality. It's like go meet in a big open area be in groups of 10, at least each group is at least six feet apart from the other group. And then you have one person with a megaphone or a a sound system that's then projecting to everybody else. And then technically you are congregating in groups of 10, at least six feet apart from everybody else. On a technical standpoint, you would be obeying the law. Right. And I'm really glad you brought that up, Jeff. And I'm not going to give any of the ideas that are going through uh, but right now, I mean, I'm, I'm brainstorming with several different pastors as to how we can actually meet the legal uh, qualification for gathering and assembling um, while still trying to obey uh, the government at the same time as much as we possibly can um, so that it can be safe and so that uh, we are still safe against the virus and safe from tyrants. Because one thing that I, I think we need to kind of pump the brakes a little bit here. Even let's go worst case scenario. Okay, absolute worst case scenario. Coronavirus is the biggest, baddest germ we've seen for a long time. 
it sweeps through, the death tolls just start snowballing, and we get millions and millions of people dying, okay? That is an absolute horrific, horrific tragedy. But it does not negate facts. And the fact is, is that though viruses in their worst case scenario might kill millions, tyrants generally kill tens of millions. And so, you know, all those people who are shouting, love your neighbor, love your neighbor. Um, Yes, love your neighbor, stand up for liberty, stand up for principles. And and people might be saying, I think you're overreacting. Um, Our uh, Jonathan Mayhew in his uh, sermon on Romans 13, and Jonathan Mayhew, by the way, was a member of the Black Robed Regiment uh, in the 1770s. He was he was one of the ones who sparked the revolution. And he gives this great discourse on Romans 13, and he presents this idea that liberties are not taken away all at once, but they are slowly eroded away. And we need to realize that. Uh, and it, it was the pastors in the 1770s that were the watchmen of our liberty and, and spurred, and I'm not saying that we need a revolution. That's not what I'm saying. But they're the ones who who spurred uh, the preservation and really this this great nation. It would be a shame if it was the lack of standing from pastors today that led to the downfall of this nation uh, into tyranny. And once again, I'm not saying that that means that churches have to be open, but I'm saying that it's a shame if churches are not standing against these edicts from the governor. Yeah. Now, I, or, I, or whoever it is. Right. Yeah. Well, could be a mayor. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Like, I, I feel like it's one of those things where, you know, I think just from a strictly logical perspective, I get both I get both sides of the argument because obviously we want to keep people safe, right? And and I think 100%. and I think that looking at this issue, one of the things that we're seeing is that uh, like like for example, the news came out and I was telling you this before we went live. Uh, I don't think I mentioned it during the actual podcast, but uh, in New York, they announced that there was like 7,000 new cases of coronavirus um, in I believe it I believe it was in the state, and uh, and one of the things that they were saying, and this isn't that 7,000 new people caught it, it's that they were able to do the testing and they found 7,000 more people have coronavirus. But one of the things that they were saying is that there's a high percentage of people within the Hasidic Jewish community, and a lot of it's because they were still gathering together and meeting in, in I'm assuming their synagogue or you know whatever their gathering place was. And they they weren't they weren't following the guidelines that were put forth by the CDC and by the local government and that sort of thing. You know, essentially banning those kinds of gatherings. So then the question is, if we see that the Hasidic Jews are experiencing essentially rampant, you know, coronavirus, um, you know, passing from person to person, obviously we could see that happening within Christianity and Christian churches. So why is it wrong from that perspective, from a public health safety standpoint to say, look, we just need to stop gathering in churches for a period of time so we can beat this thing? I think that would be like the opposing argument. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. That, and, and that is the opposing argument. Uh, so I just while we're on this uh, tech, technology break here, um, I, I was looking and somebody had sent me a uh, study from uh, the UK that actually said that there's minimal to no impact uh, for for gatherings with churches. So first of all, I'd say that we can't jump to this idea of correlation equal causation. Um, there there is the the distinguishing uh, factor there. Um, the the other thing I would say is too is that it's it's not like people aren't gathering in groups of larger than ten or even larger than fifty. 
Uh, and so I do think we need to have precautions when we meet. Um, and, and like I said here, really going through and brainstorming and things like that. I know one pastor I've talked to, um, they, they are checking people uh, for fevers on the way in. And I, I know all the people are screaming. Some people are asymptomatic. I, I get that. I understand that. And you, we still let them go to Walmart, okay? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Uh, but they're, they're checking people for fevers uh, and going to say, you know, if you're sick, don't come. Um, and they're going to turn people away if they do have fevers and, and things like that or are showing these symptoms. They regularly practice this anyway in their nursery, Um they're going to make sure that they have uh, hand sanitizing stations uh, by the door and things like that. So, I mean, th- there are necessary precautions to take. But one thing I would present on the other side is right now, Walmart has more liberty than a church. Um, right now, John Deere, a corporation that makes tractors, uh, and, and they make other things too, but nothing that is essential to our living. If people want to go and say, you get your groceries from Walmart, okay. But there's nothing in John Deere that is essential to our living um, right now. Uh, and they're open. And, and I could go and give, you know, it's not, I'm not just picking on John Deere. That's just the one that's in our backyard. Um, we should not lay down our liberties here. If, if we're going to go and say, and the government comes out and says, nobody can leave their house. First of all, that's some scary liberty stuff. But if the coronavirus is that bad, we need to have this discussion. Um, right now, that's not what the government is saying. Right now, the government is saying is that uh, churches are like bars and restaurants. Okay, sorry for all the technical difficulties on this episode. Uh, you know, earlier we had the power go completely out, and then we had the internet cut out, so we've been having some issues. So, but just wanted to wrap things up for for this episode uh, with Sam Jones. Um, you know, just just a reminder that you know there's there's a lot of questions out there in dealing with the coronavirus. Uh, there, there's a lot of uh, questions that a lot of pastors are having to deal with. Uh, but the important thing is make sure you guys are staying safe um, and uh, make sure you guys are, you know, obviously washing your hands, uh, keeping uh, the proper social distance away from people, uh, that sort of thing. Um, you know, and just, again, stay safe, be smart. Uh, so and then what, whatever you decide to do, whatever your local church decides to do, you do what you feel comfortable with um, and then uh, and that sort of thing. So I, hi- I highly recommend that as well. Uh, if you want more information from Sam or anything like that and what he's doing, you guys can follow him on Twitter at samjohn217 um, or theshininglightministries.com. Uh, and then also as well, Sam's got his new book that will be coming out this summer. We're under pre-order right now. It's being published by the GK Publishing. You guys can go to gatekeepersonline.com slash store and pre-order that book right now. If you use the code Jeff, you get 10% off of that pre-order. Um, and then also while you're there, you can also get our book Social Injustice. Again, use the same code Jeff, get 10% off of anything in our, in our store. Um, and then finally, as well, just a reminder, we do have our membership program. Uh, you're going to get exclusive access to the recording of the Destroy Social Justice Conference. Uh, you'll have the recording of both Sam's talk as well as my talk from the Stand Against Marxism Conference. Um, 
And then we've got our weekly devotional that goes out. Uh, you'll get 30% off of any uh, anything in our store. There, there's a lot of perks. Uh, if you sign up for the annual membership, you will get a copy of the book, Social, Inju- Social Injustice, absolutely free. Um, so ma- make sure you guys check that out. You can go to gatekeepersonline.com slash plugged in. Um, again, life is crazy right now. There's a lot going on. Uh, but just stay in God's word and uh, stay, you know, keep up on what's going on. Keep up on the news. Keep up on what's going on around you. Stay safe. And then uh, we're coming out with a new podcast uh, pretty much every single day with conversations with Jeff. So make sure you guys are tuning in. Subscribe, like, all the good stuff. And then, uh, yeah, we will see you guys uh, back here tomorrow. Thanks. This holiday season, pay tribute to the people who fought for our freedom to celebrate. Featuring the largest American flag in the region, Spirit Park is now open at National Harbor, honoring active duty military and veterans. Take some time this holiday to remember, offer gratitude, and be inspired by the sacrifices of our service men and women who make our way of life possible. Plan your visit at nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. That's nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC.